Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. And I know how groundbreaking it was to me when I first realized that my love for real estate could be tied to my love for travel in a way that allowed me to build the lifestyle that I wanted. I think my biggest, I would say, advantage in real estate and the thing that I've seen work the best for us is our ability to think outside the box, which, as you mentioned, probably everyone listening here thinks outside the box to some degree. That's why they found your podcast. That's why they're listening to it. That's why they like travel. That's why they're trying to build a life that might be different than other people. And that has served me better than any book knowledge or or things like that is this ability to think outside the box uh it's great to have him back on the show that is travis sherry today's guest here to teach you how to leverage real estate to fuel your ideal travel lifestyle something he has done for many years which is why i specifically asked him to come on he has a wealth of experience on this topic not just real estate but using it to travel, to live the life you want to live. And no matter where you've been on your real estate journey, maybe you're somebody listening who has you know, never bought a property before. Maybe you have a lot of experience. I guarantee there's some food for thought and some strategies here you can pull away as he shares five expert tips for helping you do just that. And he starts with the least amount of money you need to do something and moves on to the most amount of money you need. So a little bit of something for everybody here. And I'm excited to bring you this episode. It's a great one. So please buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, it's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And look, travelers love travel, I think, for your whole life. And you can obviously change how much you're able to travel over the years. And it's nice when you can build a foundation or a base in your lifestyle that allows you that flexibility to ramp up your travels when you want to. 
or to slow them down when you want to. And real estate can do that. You can get a base somewhere if that is something you want, something you desire, or you can have investment properties. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And we cover a wide swath of topics in this conversation with Travis Sherry, a good buddy of mine and somebody who was my former business partner. We actually ran the Location Indie community together for a long time. That's still going strong. You can check it out over at locationindie.com over there. Wonderful, amazing people, still buddies with everybody over there and proud of what we built and excited that Travis is still running it. And if you go over there, you're going to find a bunch of cool location-independent entrepreneurs, budding and current ones, and it's a place to connect with people. So definitely recommend checking that out if you have some time. And this episode today, I was really excited to record with Travis as we kind of figured out the topic and honed in. I thought this had something for everybody, whether you're just getting interested in real estate or you have some experience with it. Plenty of takeaways for everyone here. And I will share with you on the back end, if you stick around, you know, I've lived in a few different places that I've owned or the banks owned and I've paid them a mortgage every month, I should say, but I've loved all of them. And there's a reason why I've loved all the places that I've been fortunate enough to, to purchase and live in. And I'll share my number one reason why, my number one tip on the back end of this conversation before we dive in. Quick reminder, zerototravel.com slash newsletter can get you updates on all the episodes that are coming out, plus some personal musings, travel tips, destination stuff, all kinds of cool stuff over there so you can keep a touch off the podcast over there. If you would like, I would love to welcome in you into that community. And for new listeners here, welcome to the show. So excited to have you and for... Current listeners, welcome back. Don't forget, we are publishing three episodes per week this entire month and next month. First time ever I'm doing this, and I'm so excited to bring you what is coming. As a matter of fact, we have another theme week coming up, Wild Ways to Travel. So you can subscribe and follow the podcast so you don't miss that. One last small thing. You know, I'm a travel podcaster. I'm not an attorney or a tax professional. So I do have to read the disclaimer here that this is for informational purposes. This is not to be taken as tax or legal or investment advice. You got to do your due diligence. And with that being said, let's get into this conversation with Travis Sherry, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Cheers. Are you ready to rock? <laughs> this has been too long as we've been trading text messages for this episode, trying to figure it out to bring you tons of value today around, we're still not sure necessarily what we're calling this. Well, you'll know because you have the title by now, but uh, a variety of real estate strategies to fuel your travels. And I, I think we're going to be dispelling some myths and learning some hacks, let's say, along the way and all kinds of stuff. And to guide us through, we have none other than the incomparable, the incredible, the man who, I don't know, you always come up with these things. <laughs> I, I was waiting for a third I word. I was like, oh, is he going to go three I words ir irresistible? in a row? Because you wanted irresistible, <laughs> didn't you? Talk to your wife for that one, okay? You give me irresistible, please. Come on, come on. <laughs> now, this is Mr. Travis Sherry. Of course, we have worked together for a very long time. We've recorded hundreds of podcasts together. 
over on the Location Indie podcast. And you still have, of course, the Location Indie community running and all the good stuff. So yeah, we can we can share all that. Trav, welcome back to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. I don't know how many times you've been on it, but uh, quite a few. A lot. I made sure I got my ring light all set up so the lighting was nice. You were like, hey, the warm, the warm lighting is better than that, than than the white lighting. Um, Mr. Fancy so Pants with his ring light. Huh. You know, it's 8 a.m. <laughs> here, so I figured, all right, if I'm up and kicking and, and you know, showered and all that, I might as well give the people what they want here and, and have it look decent. Um but yeah, Jay, I think the the title that you gave it, again, I don't know what title you're going to use when you actually put it out, but the idea of using real estate to fuel your travels is that is the basis of everything we're going to talk about today. And you know, when you started asking me like, hey, could we do an episode on this? It was really fun for me because I've now been doing this, using real estate to fund my travels for eight, almost nine years. So it took me a little bit down memory lane, and it also made me realize how much opportunity there is out there. And I, of course, I know it because I'm doing it. But you know, when you do something day to day and it becomes your norm, sometimes you lose a little bit of touch with how groundbreaking it it could be to you or was to you when you first started. And I know how groundbreaking it was to me when I first realized that. My love for real estate could be tied to my love for travel in a way that allowed me to build the lifestyle that I wanted. And it was, again, looking back, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, no, no duh, right? But then in 2015, when it first started happening, I, I, I mean, I could give you the whole backstory, but I remember being like, whoa, this is like I'm kind of onto something for myself personally because I didn't want to give up either dream, real estate or travel, but they seemed kind of diametrically opposed because I think the misconception is, well, you have real estate that's a very, you know, inherently it's in a location, right? Like real estate exists in the physical world in a location. Everything you and I were teaching at Location Indie was how to build a remote business, how to be completely digital so that you could be anywhere in the world. And it didn't really matter maybe outside of having good Wi-Fi and time zone things here and there. We were teaching all that. And then all of a sudden there was this thing that I loved that was very physical in the physical world and set in one place. And I remember thinking, oh man, I, I might have to change my life to, to fit that new hobby in. And um, then I realized, especially with the tools we have at our disposal nowadays, you don't. There's a lot of things you can do now with real estate that you couldn't do as easily, let's say, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into those. And I think, I imagine one of the things coming out of this too is going to be some some mindset shifts, perhaps, or just different ways of seeing something. And I think that's that's a great thing, especially with real estate, because on the surface, it just seems so in some ways, at least for me, again, somebody, it's like everybody's got their own take on it, right? Somebody is listening to this right now. This might be, all right, well, you know, yeah, this is no big deal. I get, I, I've owned multiple houses. I've had properties and all that. And then you have other people that haven't. And I've, I have owned different houses and properties. And even still, I'm one of those people that feels a bit intimidated by real estate, a bit, a bit stuck in, in terms of, okay, well, if I was going to invest in something, what, what, what would it be? How would I 
kind of yeah management? How would it align with the lifestyle and all that kind of stuff? And so I think there can be ongoing fears with that, even if you do have some experience. And so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Because I mean, how many houses and apartments and, you know, rentals and things like that have you owned at this point? Owned um, and sold. All right. Uh, yeah, let me, I, I didn't, I don't have a list in front of me, so I'll have to do it in my head real quick. But I do want to mention, you put another I, I word out there, intimidated. I think that's the perfect word to use because it can be an intimidating thing. I think real estate is a f- interesting, another I word, right? We don't have to do this the whole show. Don't worry. This isn't like Pee Wee's Playhouse. I word, you know, um, but I think for many people, it's interesting because they realize that there can be a lot of wealth built through real estate. And it's, you know, it's a thing everyone understands, right? It's, it's not some hard concept to grasp. But I, you know, I, I personally didn't grow up you know, like my parents weren't real estate moguls or anything like that. They owned a house before I was born. They had had like a rental property or two. So very in line with kind of what you were talking about, a maybe a more normal, at least Western world version of real estate where they just kind of had their own house and maybe something here or there, but that was it. So I wasn't adept. I didn't grow up in it. I, I kind of didn't have like a model to follow. I wasn't given homes, you know, when I turned 18 or 21, like, oh, now you can take these over, anything like that. Um, So I think my story is similar to some people. I just got intrigued. I think if you're a traveler, a lot of times you're curious. And I think real estate, you can, there's a lot to be curious about. There's a lot of ways to make money in real estate. There's a lot of different avenues to go. Obviously, there's almost infinite amount of places in the world you can buy real estate. And then, you know, like, I started in Philadelphia. The thing I liked about real estate in Philadelphia is it satiated my need right away for like every day there would be new listings. Like every day there was new listings, no matter what. Hop on, what's new? What got put up over the uh, while I was sleeping? And there'd be new stuff. So you could, you're constantly giving, like there's ever changing stuff and there, and, and there's a lot of ways to skin real estate. So I think a lot of people in the travel world that I see are interested by it because it's, Again, like there's always new stuff, but you can always be curious around it. Um, and so how many have I owned? So the very first property I owned was a, was a house that I bought when I was a high school history teacher way back before we started Location Indie or we knew about Location Independence or anything like that. And I bought the house in 2007. That was after you were so a I, vacuum salesman. Right. During, during. During, I lived during. in that house okay, yeah. while being a vacuum salesman. Yeah, <laughs> I was a high school teacher. Then I became a va- door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. Um, and I had just purchased this regular house that was 10 minutes from the school that I worked at. And I lived in it with my friends. Um, and so that was 2007 was my first purchase. And then um, I didn't do anything else in real estate until 2016 was my first investment uh, that I that I bought, and so you know you have a, a ten year ten year gap there, eight year gap. So um, to put it to put a nice little bow on it, we had the house outside of Philadelphia that we that we lived in, right? Kind of our primary residence. We had five properties at one point as investment properties in Philadelphia. Uh, all of those we have since sold since we we moved away from the area. And right now we have a primary residence where we live, right where I'm speaking to you from here in North Carolina. And we'll get into that and why it's like it's our primary, but we I call it more like our home base because we we utilize a really cool strategy that helps us live beachfront here in North Carolina, something we wouldn't be able to afford if we didn't use this strategy. 
Um, so we have that property. And now we also have four more units down the road, like all on one piece of land. So four like um, smaller cottages all on one piece of land. And then a little further down the road, um, we have three more units. So right now, seven. We Right now we have eight. And we've had another six over the years, I guess, in Philadelphia, plus our primary one outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. And so all that to say that you've learned a lot along the way. You've been able to, you know, make some mistakes, but also you've bought and sold, you've assessed deals, you've learned how to kind of navigate it. And I know, I remember you ended up in North Carolina simply because that was where you were able to find, at least from what I can remember, where you were able to find the most affordable beachfront property. And when you say beachfront, I mean, if you took your camera and turned it, you would see the ocean literally out your, out your yeah. office window. And so uh, high, high yeah. tide, we're like, you know, our house is <laughs> high tide. I could be as little as five feet from the beach or from the ocean. Uh, it's, yeah, we're right here. So, um, yeah. And, and as you mentioned, just to finish that story, essentially, I knew we wanted to live close to the beach. I mean, did I think we'd live this close? No, but I knew we want to live at the beach that we want to be somewhere warmer. And um, this was right when the pandemic was hitting. Um, and I just started looking at real estate. This is what's kind of cool about real estate in this day and age. Um, you know, you, you have so much information at your fingertips. You have so many, like you can go on an app and see properties anywhere in the country. You could go on apps to see properties anywhere in the world. Whereas, you know, again, 20 years ago, it would be much harder. It'd be like, you need a realtor in that area. And, you know, very different. You know, you're, you're picking up those little pamphlets, you know, outside of the grocery stores that have the homes for sale. Right. And now we have a million times that information just in our hand, uh, in our phone. So I was able to just scour up and down the East coast. And I just remember looking like, what are the cheapest beachfront areas? Where can I find a house? You know, and, uh, we settled on this area outside of Wilmington, North Carolina, because, of this, it was a cheaper area at that point. Um, and because this specific house popped up again, I was checking every morning. I'd be like, what just popped up, you know, in the last 24 hours, this thing popped up and I was like, something's wrong here. You know, this isn't uh, like it's this location's wrong or this house is a tear down. Like there's no way it's this price. Long story short with that, it just had some weird zoning things. It scared a lot of people off. Um, spent about 40 hours doing a lot of research into the zoning laws of this specific house and this town uh, so that I could understand it. And uh, 40 hours, probably the best 40 hours of time I've ever spent, honestly, because it saved us. You know, this house should have been $300,000 more than it was. Um, so understanding that and understanding what we were getting into um, allowed us to purchase a house that everyone else who kind of didn't do their due diligence you know, ran away from. So yeah, saved us, allowed us to get something that we never would have been able to get. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the other fun part about real estate. Well, are you sure yeah. that the 40 plus hours we've spent recording podcast isn't, wasn't better than that 40 hours spent? I mean, you're I really going to rank that number one, the home for your that's, family. You're, you're right. I guess, Come on, man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry, man. <laughs> I guess, I guess if, if 40 hours of podcast made me $300,000, I'd be, I'd be a happy man. I, I'd say, all right, get, get us some energy drinks and let's keep recording, man. I got 40 hours in me. <laughs> right. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday. 
in Norway. Not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. The thing about the house is too, because I know this and I'm sure we'll get into this, is that because of the house and the nature of the house and the way you guys have utilized it, you're you're away every summer. I think the the initial instinct is to think, okay, well that's who can afford that. And now I'm going to be house poor. And it's, it's the opposite in the sense that you guys are spending, you've been spending months on the road, like traveling in places like Costa Rica as a family and actually getting the house to pay for itself and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I know I don't want to skip ahead because I know you're going to get into those strategies. Uh, and, and I think we should get into them. There was one thing. I that's to strategy mention. number one. So you are you are well, just setting me up with a nice okay. softball lob, my friend. Great. I mean, I don't I don't have the list here, so I I don't know. So that's a that was a natural segue. But uh, no, before before we dive into it, I, I do I did want to ask you about. You mentioned the the ability for people to find these properties online everywhere, and the listings coming up and everything like that. And you mentioned intimidating earlier, and I honestly I think that's one of the reasons I get intimidated now. I feel like back in the day. And of course, those days are over. But if you had some kind of strategy or knowledge, you'd feel like, well, not everybody would have access to that. So you'd be able to kind of do that as opposed to, uh, okay, this listing's coming up. Like All of these smart real estate investors who know way more about this than me are scouring and looking at the same things I am. It does, isn't that going to prevent, you know, who am I to find a good deal type of thing? That, that's a great point. Um, if you can see it on Zillow, so can everyone else. Uh, but I guess what I would say to that is that everyone 
has different reasons for purchasing real estate, right? Um, you know, now when, when, like if I'm going, I'm looking for a certain investment property. So to your point, like right now I'm at a point where I'm, I'm basically looking for more investment properties and specific types of investment properties, right? So to your point, if, if it's coming up on a listing service and I'm seeing it, so are people who are much savvier and much more experienced than me, right? So that does become difficult, especially if you're looking in a, in a hyper-specific area. So we live here in, in North Carolina on a, on a smaller island, right? And there's only so many properties that come up. So there are 10, 15 of my friends who live here and in the area that are looking to do the same thing. Plus, you know, people I don't know who are looking from California, whatever. So it does become difficult in that sense. Where I have found I am doing well is like I am willing to get a little more creative than a lot of people. Uh, one, I'm willing to do more work at this point in my life. You know, I would say I have less money and more time at this point compared to a, a, a big wig real estate investor. So they might look at a deal and be like, you know, this just doesn't, these numbers don't work just on like a the basic level. And so they'd move on because they don't need to be creative. They don't need to spend the time doing that. They can, they have enough money that they can just, if a good deal is there, they're going to jump on it. Maybe they pay cash and they can beat everyone else out. I'm not there. So for me, it's like, well, how do I do same as like when we got this house, how do I do enough work and get creative enough that a deal that might not work for someone like that works for me. And likewise, someone who's not been doing it as long or, you know, is new to it, might not know how to get as creative as me. So you, you kind of find your sweet spot. And if you are beginning, and you know, if you're beginning and looking for a house just for yourself to live in, then that's usually the people you're competing against, right? Like a house that you, for you to live in might not be a great investment property and vice versa, right? So, you know, you're not competing against everyone who can see it. you're competing against the same people who are coming at it the same way as you. And, you know, I, I don't want to get too into like what the market's doing right now as compared to what it was a year ago, because I want to talk a little more evergreen, but just on a basic level right now, the market is softening and there is more opportunity out there than there was a year ago, six, you know, eight months ago when it was really, really hot and it was very hard to find properties because interest rates were super low and there's just a lot of money out there. So everything ebbs and flows and we're starting to see it stuff that, you know, like there's a property here that I looked at the other day that would have been snapped up the day it went on the market a year ago, easily duplex, decently priced, you know, pretty well renovated. And it's sitting there. And even I'm like, nah, like, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but kind of not. And it's still sitting there. It's been like three weeks. So things change. And if you don't have, like, I wouldn't, I would always tell someone, if you don't have to get into something, right? Like don't force the issue. If you don't have to, because, you know, there's a lot of ways to get out of real estate. Like I never imagined I would buy and sell five properties in Philadelphia in the span of over three years. Like our plan was never to buy them and resell them, but you know, we moved. And so to your intimidating in intimidation point, I think the big intimidating factor with real estate is one, the numbers are big or can be very big with purchase price and money and all that. And two, it seems like a very concrete final decision. Um, but the more I get into real estate and the more I'm around other people, I realize there's a, 
you know, again, you don't want to make a flippant decision, but there's a lot of ways to get in and out of stuff if you need to be. And I, you know, again, I experienced that myself when we were moving from Philadelphia and I thought, well, I could hold these and they'll keep appreciating. But if I get out now, I'll make a little bit of money. And do I want to like manage them from 10 hours away? Not really. So, you know, again, don't be flippant, but it's not as final a thing as people make it out to be. People are buying and selling properties, big and small, all the time. Um, and it's kind of fun. Like then it comes down to marketing, right? Like if you, like we made a lot more on our Philly properties than maybe someone else because we marketed them a certain way and we like made them stand out and look nice compared to your traditional properties. But we might get into okay. that a little bit more. But um, yeah, what really struck me from what you just shared as we get into this list is the idea of perhaps outworking the competition, if you want to look at them that way, or just the idea of being creative. I think honing in on that because there are some things that unified, say, the listening audience here. And one of those, I think, is is people not being afraid to kind of do things a little different, maybe do things a bit unconventionally, to get creative with things and to leverage things that they bring into their life to travel more, to add more travel into their lives and really open to those ideas. And so I think that's a great lens through which to explore this list as we go into it. I think my biggest, I would say, advantage in real estate and the thing that I've seen work the best for us is our ability to think outside the box, which, as you mentioned, probably everyone listening here thinks outside the box to some degree. That's why they found your podcast. That's why they're listening to it. That's why they like travel. That's why they're trying to build a life that might be different than other people. And that has served me better than any book knowledge or or things like that is this ability to think outside the box. And so the first strategy is that. And, um, and this is what was so groundbreaking to me in 2015. So I told you we had one property that we owned uh, that was uh, I had bought in t- 2007 and lived in it for a while. And then my wife and I, Heather, moved to Japan and we rented it long term for about three or four years, right? While we were traveling and living in Japan and things like that. And it was okay renting it long term. Like it paid the mortgage kind of. It was, it was honestly a bit of a hassle because we were living in Japan and it wasn't but it, but it like served its purpose, right? We were paying down mortgage and all this kind of stuff. And in August of 2015, Heather says to me, like, I'm sick of being nomadic. I want to, I, I want a home base. I want to move back into the house and in, into the house. And our renters were moving out August 1st. And she was like, I'm moving back in this house. And I was like, no way. <laughs> Cause to me, our whole identity was wrapped up we were travel podcasters. You and I were building a business about being location independent. I actually was like, there, there's no way we can do this. And it really, talk about being scared and intimidated. I was so intimidated by this mortgage. It was like 1300 bucks a month. And I was like, if we're paying 1300 bucks for a mortgage, that's 1300 bucks. We don't have to travel. And you know how far 1300 bucks can go and travel if you're going in Thailand, Bali, whatever. I was like, there's no way. We're not, we're not moving back in. And she was like, well, I'm moving back in. You can do what you want. <laughs> and now- could I really do what I want? That's 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 still open for discussion. <laughs> you, you could know? if you wanted to get divorced and then have right, no right, house. Right. <laughs> exactly. I own a half a house. Um, so I was like, okay, but I was. I'm telling you, Jay, I was as pissed off as I had ever been, and I was 
as honestly, I was pissed off because I was scared because I'm like, I don't know how to make this lifestyle work. I, do, I thought to me, that was a weight that was holding us back. I, that, it was going to be like the stealing same, away your travel. Yeah. It was stealing away my freedom. It was like, well, now I have a house and now I'm like everyone else. I'm going to live in this house and I have to pay for this house. And you know, I, I can't, I basically can't travel. Like we're just going to take little vacations here and there. And I'm a travel podcaster. I'm what the heck is happening here? My whole life is completely ruined. And I'm, I'm not even being hyperbolic. That's what I felt. Fast forward three days, right? This is where Heather, (laughs) three whole days. That's all it took. (laughs) Heather knew so much more how burnt out she was on that lifestyle than, than I knew how, how much she was and how much I was. She was just way more aware of it. Three days later, I'm sitting in my office of the house, which was a folding chair and a folding table. You know, we had just moved back in. And I remember sitting there and being like so relieved that we were not on the road and that I knew I could sit there in this super uncomfortable folding chair and super uncomfortable folding table and have internet. And I was like, whoa. And three whole days later, my I, I did a 180 and I was like, I am so happy we have a home base again. Now, so, but that didn't solve the issue of like, well, we still have to pay this mortgage, right? Like I'm happy we're here, but now how do we figure this out? And everything you and I had been teaching people at Location Indy was, how do you think outside the box? How do you build a lifestyle that you want? How do you get creative? And I remember sitting there like, how can you get creative? Like if you own a house, like you just have to rent it out. And if you rent it out, you can't be in it. And then I was like, wait a second. Like we've stayed in Airbnbs all over the world what if we tried to Airbnb this house? And it was it was crazy to think now because Airbnb is so prevalent. And, and 2015, it was, of course, around and we had used it, but it certainly wasn't this behemoth like everyone knows about it that they do now. And I also wasn't sure it was going to work because we just lived in this suburb of Philadelphia. We weren't downtown. There was nothing incredible about our house, right? It was just in a house in suburban Philadelphia. But well, I, was like, I mean, well, you have that maybe, really good Thai restaurant nearby. That know? I mean, that is true. You know, and, <laughs> and I was like, may, but maybe it can work. But in my mind, Airbnb or rental properties were only like, you know, you're at the beach, like a real vacation house or you're in the middle of a city. I, I was like, it can't work for us, but let me try. Right. Like, let me try. And um the first trip we went on. So we were then going on a trip to South Africa. So this was us. Oh, we're not nomadic. We're moving back in. And next month, we're leaving South Africa for a month, right? So I thought my life was over and I had this big trip planned a month later anyway. Shows you how dramatic I am. But um, I, I was like, let's try to get this up on Airbnb for when we go to South Africa. And we did. Like We hustled our butt off to, to do some things to, to get it listed on Airbnb. Got it listed on Airbnb. Like, oh, this is going to work. This is perfect. Go to South Africa nothing. No one rents the property. I remember coming back and thinking, okay, now my life really is over. Like I tried it, right? Oh, I got this idea. I tried it. It didn't work. And we were then going, we got home, we were home for one day and then we were going to Phoenix for a conference for like three days. And, you know, it was still listed on Airbnb. I didn't take it off, but we didn't think anyone would book it. Right. So like we get home, we unpack, we go, you know, repack, go to Phoenix. The house isn't cleaned or anything. And we get a booking request. And I remember being like, what? Like I was happy, but I'm like, I just spent, you know, we were away for a month. The house was as clean as could be. No one booked it. Here we're away for three days. Someone wants to book it. So I had to call my sister-in-law. I'm like, can you go clean the house? But that was our first booking ever as, as, as hosts, as landlords. And 
I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, we're out here in Phoenix, staying at this hotel at this conference, making more money renting our house than we are spending beer. This works. Like it didn't work the way I thought it would when we went to South Africa, but this works. And so that's strategy number one. And something that is, I'm, I'm going to go from like, you need the least amount of money to the most amount of money in the strategies, right? And this, if you own a house, or even if you rent a house or a condo or whatever, you know, as long as you get permission from your landlord, um, and it's and it's okay to do in your area. Strategy number one is just renting your own house or the own place that you live when you're not there. It's the easiest way to get started. It's exactly what we did in 2015. It completely changed my mindset of what it could be to own real estate and travel. Um, and to this day, and you you mentioned this a little while ago, we do this exact same thing in the house that I'm in right now, in this beachfront house. So when we look to buy this house, we knew that in order to, I mean, our mortgage is going to go up three times, right? From the house that, that the one I just told you about that I bought in 20, 2007 to when we bought this in 2020, uh, you know, our primary residence was going to change. Our mortgage was going to go up three X, which was super scary, of course. And I did the numbers and I was like, all right, well, if, if we want to buy this house, we have to use it as a rental as well. And obviously at the beach, when is the best rental season? You know, June, July, and August. So we essentially committed to saying, all right, what is what our life is going to look like in the immediate future is that we will live here in this house. And when we when we uh, travel, we're going to rent it. And we, and we have to basically rent it June, July, and August. Now, that I was conservative with the numbers that I thought it would get for rent, which is always a good thing to be conservative, right? It does better than I thought for for various reasons, which we can get into at some point. But pretty cool, Jay, that if we rent, basically, if we rent out for one week in the summer, it pays for one month of our mortgage. So if we go away from mid-June to mid-August, the, the peak season, right, when kids are out of school here in the U.S., that's about 10, 11 weeks stretch, depending. Um, we essentially cover our mortgage and expenses for this house for the year. So, uh, you know, by leaving and going away for that time period, we essentially live rent free the rest of the year, um, which is incredible and is definitely possible for people to do. Uh, it's not like I did something. Like it can happen. Other people do it too. You know, um, yes, this house does better than I thought, but that would be the easiest way for people to get involved in, in, in trying this out is if you own a house or it doesn't have to be a house. If you own house, condo, whatever apartment, um, or you rent one and it's okay with your landlord, give it a go. If you, if you're interested, give it a go. And, um, that, basically anytime we've done it, it, it has allowed us to travel because we're, you know, it's either covering the mortgage or covering the mortgage plus a lot more. Sometimes it covers the mortgage plus pays for our travel expenses. So we're actually making money by traveling, which is a pretty cool thing. I love that. And then when you said, you know, just looking at it from the lifestyle perspective, you're like, okay, well, here's the high season. Here's when we need to be gone. You know, that again, this is a great way for people listening to kind of assess these things, right? If you're going into that situation, you could look at that and say, yes, I get to travel every summer. And, you know, in your case, make your almost your entire mortgage for the year if you do it right. And, and you kind of know, know what you're doing. 
Or you could be like, well, I don't, oh, I have to leave every summer. That's, you know, and then maybe that situation is not for you. But like you said, it's, it's being open to the, the whole situation. And I guess the, that can change with each property, of course, too, right? You guys went to a place where the high season is the summer and all that. And then of course you have kids. So that works because you also, they'll be out of school in the summers and things like that. So there's all these things you can piece together and it's just uh, great to kind of look at it from all angles and, you know, you might be listening thinking, well, that excites you because now you can afford a, a house that you might not have been able to afford before or get it in a place that you wouldn't have been able to. Yes, you're always going to be taking a gamble because you have to get the bookings and things like that. But it sounds like uh, it's obviously totally possible. And I think that's why that story is inspiring because you're here's somebody who's doing it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And you know, when we started with our first house too, our goal was just to like, if we went on a trip, again, we were covering like a $1,300 mortgage then. So that wasn't as hard as, as this bigger property. Right. So you don't have to go huge right in the beginning. Like we started in 2015, you know, again, now eight, nine years ago, um, with that property that we felt comfortable if we had to cover the mortgage, like if we got no bookings, it was still in our budget to cover the mortgage and travel some. Um, and you know, and then when we bought this one, it was like baked into the numbers that we would go June, July, and August. And, and as you mentioned, there is a flip side to it. Like it's great overall, super happy, but you know, it takes us because we live in this house most of the rest of the year, a while to pack up. We have like an extra kind of bedroom that we close off and lock off. So, you know, you can do it however you want. You get a storage unit, whatever. But I mean, it's it's work. It's work to to close up the room, to clean up, to get out of here. And then when you come back, inevitably, like the downside is like there are things that are broken and, you know, the pain is scuffed. Like you come back and kind of like, all right, I'm glad people like most people had a really good experience and, and that's nice and it made us money. But it is again, you'll know whether you resonate with it or not. Some people tell us like, I could never rent out my re my primary house and that's fine. Other people are intrigued by it, but just know, yes, it takes some work on the front and back end to unpack and pack and all that. And you're going to come home. There's going to be some stuff out of sorts that you have to take care of and all. But ultimately, if we come back from the summer and we've got 50, 60 grand in our pocket, I'm like, all right, again, is this worth my time packing up for half a week and unpacking for half a week? And you know, having to paint a wall or two. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. All right. You got another one for us. Strategy number two, and I have not done this, um, but it is, a, it is an, a, again, an easier barrier to entry than like buying an investment property, which we'll get to in a second. So strategy number two is something that's called rental arbitrage or master leasing. So you might hear those words. And that is essentially where you go and you rent a unit. So let's say you go and you rent a house long term. You say to uh, a landlord, "Hey, I want to rent this from you for two years at two thousand dollars a month." Um, but you also get their blessing and permission to then turn it into a short term rental. Usually, it works best if you're doing it as a short term rental because there's that that gap right between what if you have a good short term rental, what you can make a month, and if you you know what you're paying in long term rent. So you go and you rent a place, not for you to live in, right? You have your own place you're living in and you rent it at a lower price than you can get by renting it out. Um, and so you you basically are uh, you know, handling all the short-term rentals for that property. 
Um, and this is an easy way for people to get into something because, again, they're not, let's say a, a condo would cost you $300,000 to buy, but you can rent it for $2,000. You're going to the, the person who owns it and say, I'll, I'll give you 2000 bucks. I want to short-term rent it. You know, are you cool with that? You know, you make sure that you're, it's all in the up and up. And then maybe you make $4,000 a month renting it short-term on average, and you've just made $2,000 a month for your work. Um, that's, it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, there's a lot more nuance. We can talk about who it would be good for and who it wouldn't be. Um, it's, you know, the pro, the big pro is that you're not tied to a specific property. You know, you have a year or two or three lease or whatever. Um, if it's not working out, you know, you, you, you don't own a house that then you have to turn and sell. The big con is that any money that you put into it or anything like that, you're not, it's not your property. Um, and also at any point, once your lease is over, the landlord could be like, I don't want you to do this anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, but just an easier thing to do to get into, um, than maybe buying your own property. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I can see both sides. I mean, one of the one of the pros could be just testing it out if it's something you want to do, right? I mean, you're still on the hook for something, right? You're still, you're starting a bit, you're, you're able to get into the game without purchasing a property, which is, which is huge. But of course there's still some risk, but if you are thinking about heavily investing in an area for one example, then perhaps that's a way to test the area without so much upfront capital. But of course, you know, there are, there are a lot of things to ways that sounds very situational in terms of the agreement with um, the person that owns the property and how much of that stuff are you responsible for at the end of the lease term to sort of repair and fix up or whatever. I imagine there's yeah there's a variety of scenarios, but just that concept is a pretty interesting one. Anything that allows you to get involved in something with 
much less capital than you would kind of assume you would need on the outset is, is intriguing to use another, the I word again. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Again, it is situational and it's not something that I've, I've personally done. Um, we almost did it in Philly um, because we were getting to a point where like, we want to try out a certain neighborhood. A guy knew had a really nice property there. You know, we were going to do it. it. It ended up not panning out. But um, as you mentioned, it does allow you to get in with much less capital. And it also allows you to try something out as well. And again, everything is negotiable with the the landlord, the owner of the property. So you know, I would always just urge everyone to get it in writing, be very clear what you're responsible, what they're responsible for. Are they responsible for repairs? Are you responsible for repairs? If you're furnishing it, are you taking the furniture when your lease is over? Are you leaving it? You know, again, work your numbers and figure out what what makes it worth it for you. But there are a lot of people out there who do this, uh, you know, on a small level. But there's a lot of people out there um, who do this on a large scale level too, because they just prefer the flexibility versus buying the properties. Personally, i I am a big proponent of if you can buying property and allowing it to work for you in a few different ways, not just cash flow from renting it out, but appreciation, obviously paying down a mortgage. Like you don't get either of those two things if you're not buying the property. Tax benefits. Tax benefits, another one. Number, Yeah. Uh, so you don't get any of that if you're just renting a property, but it is a way to get in and it is a way to try something out. So um, yeah, I mean, again, you can do that s- same thing. The spirit of the list is getting creative. So that's why it's on the list, right? Correct. Correct. (laughs) All right. Number three. These are exciting. So number three, this is where we start with like buying properties. Um, And and the first three things like this, plus the other two things I just mentioned, the master leasing and the renting out your own house could all kind of fall under this umbrella of, you might hear this term of house hacking. So house hacking is like an umbrella term just used to be like, how can I get creative with the house that I live in, right? Or, or properties to make money from this house? Because traditionally the model has been like, own a house, live in the house, pay the mortgage, and you're just paying, right? And here's just like, how can I get something that pays, pays me or pays for itself? So this is a pretty easy one to understand. Um, but instead of buying like a single family home, you would buy a multi-unit property. So you might buy, let's say you buy a triplex, right? You're like, all right, I'm going to buy a triplex. It's just a building with three units. Um, And so you would live in one and then you would rent the other two out. Um, Usually if you find the right multi-units, you know, a triplex, three units will probably be cheaper than if you just went and bought three single family homes. Um, so there's some benefits to having like triplexes and duplexes, like multi-units that are on the same property. You know, usually your taxes are lower than if you had three separate properties. Um, you know, sometimes your utilities can be a bit lower, just things like that. Uh, easy, ease of use, right? They're all right there. So if you're living in one and you're renting the other two, they're, you know, they're next door for sometimes that's better. Sometimes that's worse. Right. Um, But yeah, just getting creative and saying like, oh, instead of going down the path of buying a regular single family standalone home um, and then just living in it, 
maybe I can buy something with two units, three units, four units, however many, and then rent the other ones out. And a lot of people are able to successfully do this, where if you rent the other, let's say it is a triplex, you have three units, you rent the other two out, um, that might pay for the whole property itself, and then you're living rent-free. So um, definitely something to look into. More common, I would say, in like denser areas, maybe, especially in cities and things like that. Um, we have a friend, Mitko, who was looking to do something like this in Cincinnati, you know, looking for, for properties that had two, three, four units and then live in one and, and rent the others. So, um, yeah, just, uh, not an obscure thing by any stretch, but something that has gained steam, I would say in the last 10 years with especially, and again, this is not try to box people in, but especially younger people who might, you know, maybe you're a single person, maybe you're a couple, and you don't have a lot of kids and you can like, oh yeah, we'll live in this for a little bit and we'll rent the other ones out and you know, it'll, it'll be able to pay for our lifestyle and maybe make us money. Sure. And I mean, I guess the same could go for if you're wanting a single family house and you can rent the rooms out in that house or something like that. Of course. Yep. Same kind of principle, but yeah, everything comes with pros and cons. And I mean, one of the words that we can keep coming back to here with real estate, especially is how situational it is, right? You mentioned maybe being older, having kids or whatever, if you still have the backyard, you still have the, th the, the things, most of your boxes checked and the things you want. And that still makes sense. It's yeah, something to consider. I think it's a, yeah. And if you want to kind of dive into the, the weeds on house hacking, I'm sure there are a lot of articles out there to, to get you even further. And I'm sure some of the benefits also, I mean, perhaps there's some hidden benefits based on, the location, right? In terms of like taxes and things that you can't speak to when you're talking about it as a broad topic. One thing that you just hit on that, that kind of brought something up to me when we talk about multi-units. Um, I'll give you an example. We have a multi-unit down the road here that has three different standalone properties on, on basically one plot of land, right? And what's cool about this, Jay, is that you know, kind of in my head, when I think of triplexes and duplexes, I'm like, oh, it's like three one bedroom units. Well, what we have here is pretty cool. It's like a two bedroom, two bath house. It's a studio in the middle, and then it's a four bedroom, four bath house. So again, depending on your life situation, like I, I certainly don't want to buy, you know, this is about thinking outside the box. I don't want to box anyone in and say, oh, you have to be young or not have kids to, to do this multi-unit house hack. You can do anything you want. For example, if if I was going to use that, if I was going to live at that property right now in my life, right, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to live in the four bedroom, four bath, right? But when we had one kid, we would probably have been in the two bedroom, one, two bath. And before that, when it was Heather and I, we'd probably be in the studio. So you certainly can. And there have been plenty of people I know who have multi units that are, yeah, have different uh, variety of sizes of houses. Um, and have just then they've actually thought through it. They've been like, okay, in different stages of our life, we're going to like upgrade, downgrade to the to the bigger properties or nicer properties on or nicer units on these properties. And they've what's kind of interesting and cool about that is like you've you've then let, let's say you do have a family and you want to stay in the same area because you want the kids to go to the same school or whatever, but you think you might have a bigger family or your kids might be graduating. And you're like, we don't need this big house. It's like cool. 
you don't need this big house anymore. Move to the smaller one, right? Rent the bigger one or vice versa. So there's a lot of, uh, again, it just comes down to, to, to thinking a little differently. And once you start doing that, there's no real limit on how creative you can get with what you're doing. Like even you bring up the fact that maybe you have a single family, but you rent it out by the room. Sure. Again, I've never done that. I've always rented it as like a, a, a whole unit. But um, come to think of it, some of the times the people who rented it were like roommates. So like they had put together their group, but they were essentially each person was paying for their room. So yeah, you really, you can get creative as you want. Yeah, I love that. That's something I hadn't thought about. The idea that, yeah, you can try to kind of predict where life is going and find a property that works in that way for you. Or you can also be like, all right, yeah, we're we're a family of three. And sure, we don't want to live in a studio forever. That sounds insane, but we can do it for a year and we can save money and we can upgrade everything else. And then we'll move to this one. And, you know, there is just there's a lot of flexibility there. So that's a really cool way to think about it. Yeah, you definitely can be as flexible as you want. And if if people take anything away from this, obviously we're giving like five different ways to kind of invest in real estate or or kind of get started here. But it really is, I guess it would be twofold. Like, what do I want out of life right now? Right? Like be just and, and again, Heather and I asked ourselves this question all the time. Like when we moved here, hey, are we willing to 3X our mortgage? And have to travel in the summer, you know, quote unquote, have to travel in the summer. We we knew that that would be a reality of it. Are we willing to do it? And just being honest with yourself of if you're willing to do it. You know, um, when we moved back in our house in 2015, are we willing to move back into this house? Remember, I was not for the first three days and then I was. So just asking yourself what you want out of life at at this point, kind of future pacing a little bit and say like, well, what do we think? Where it's going to look like two, three, four, five years, and does this does this property or, or doing this in real estate allow us that flexibility? And then you know, if on the surface it doesn't, the second part of that is just trying to get creative with it. Okay, huh? Well, this is just a single family home. Like, how could that do it? It's in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Like, well, wait, let me just try to put it up here and see if it rents. Oh, it does rent better than we thought. Okay, you know, so. Yeah, just not being afraid to to be honest with yourself about what you want and then figuring out a way to make it work, right? Whether it be that property or or, or maybe you need a different property or a different area or what have you. Um, it, it makes sense. I mean, we've always been fans of reverse engineering, starting from the lifestyle first. Even though you look at real estate and it might be going back to that idea of being intimidated, it's location-based, is it going to prevent me from traveling? All the things we talked about, perhaps the unwarranted fears. If you're reverse engineering it, you're going to find a way. I did this when I bought my first property in Boulder, Colorado. I was scared to be tied down. And one of the things that pushed me over the edge was the property was a condo, but it had a garage. And I knew I could store my stuff in the garage. I could build enough storage in the back to have all my stuff. And I'd still be able to travel and rent it out and still have my stuff there. And that was a, a big thing that pushed me over. So reverse engineering from the lifestyle first, I think is a, a good way to do anything. Partic- and real estate's no exception, I should say. And I should also mention, you know, one of the things you neglected to mention is that if you're not ready to move back into your house and, and 
but the other person, if you are ready and the other person isn't, you could just use the Heather Sherry strategy, which is just say, well, I'm doing it anyway. And I'm going to insist using an I word. I'm going to insist that we move back and either with me against me, pal. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you could give the ultimatum. There's nothing wrong with ultimatums. Uh, you'll find out one way or the other uh, wh- wh- which way the person's going to go. Um, All right, we got two yeah, more. We so got two true. more to cover, Trav. Let, let's Two more. Second, uh, the fourth one is, and again, this is now getting to like maybe people who have more money and are looking for maybe something a bit more passive, right? So we go from like, no money essentially, and just trying to do some work with renting your own house. Um, and then now we're getting into the fourth one would be just buying properties as rentals, um, like strictly as investment properties. And this is where I'm at in my, in my phase basically is we're looking now for properties that we're not going to live in that are true rental properties for us. Everything we do right now is short-term rentals. Um, by that, I mean, you know, Airbnb, people can come, they can rent, you know, as short as two days. Uh, we do have people who come and and in the off season, maybe rent longer. So we did have like a traveling nurse in one of our units and she was there four months. So that's kind of becomes then like a medium term stay. Um, you can also buy properties as rentals for long term rentals too, right? Like, you know, more traditional. Okay. Someone comes and signs a year lease. I prefer personally short term rentals because the Usually, the money you can make is more. Um, plus, I enjoy the hospitality aspect of it. I enjoy, you know, as someone who loves traveling and staying at cool places, I love giving people like having our accommodations that they stay in be a part of the reason why their vacation or trip is more memorable. So, if you like that kind of thing, you might want to consider short term rentals, but just know that it's, it's short term rentals are a lot of work. Um, a lot more work than long-term rentals for for reasons that are obvious, right? You just have a lot more people coming in, a lot more things can break, a lot more guest interaction, what have you. But I will say when we when you're thinking about it, if you're like, well, Trav, that doesn't really jive with like your lifestyle freedom, right? You're buying these properties, you're having these rentals, you're short-term renting them, you're telling me that it's a lot of work and and kind of like a high touch type thing. Whoa, doesn't that suck? And the answer is. Yeah, it can suck. Uh, for example, when Jay and I were running uh, one of our first retreats in Mexico, and we had just got done running this location indie treat, it was awesome. We'd have so much fun, but it was like three days on with all these people coaching, teaching, you know, being involved. And um, Jay, actually, I think it was you, uh, said, "I'll watch." We had we had one kid at that time. I'll watch Wit. I'll watch your son while you and Heather go and you have a little date, right? Um, and we were like, cool, you know, Heather and I hadn't gotten much to speak, hadn't gotten to speak that much during this retreat because you and I were running it, Jay. And I remember sitting there finally like decompressing at this restaurant. Like, ah, oh, all right. Like we made it, we're through, we don't have our little guy with us. And my phone rings and I look at it and it was a number I didn't know. And for like two years, I had been property managing our Philadelphia properties. And anytime my phone rang when it was a number I didn't know, no joke, like my heart would start like, I'd get that anxiety like, oh, shoot. And I'm like, I know this is going to be a guest with an issue. And sure enough, I pick it up. I'm sitting there trying to have a nice meal in Mexico. And they're like, yeah, my kid has locked himself in the bathroom at your unit. Uh, we can't get him out. Da, 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 da. And I'm like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Yo, and right in that moment, I remember saying to myself, all right, everything that Jay and I and, and we've talked about building has been proactive. How can you build a life that you're the one calling the shots that you don't have to react to life throwing stuff at you? Like you get to work when you want to work, where you want to work, all that kind of stuff. And here I was in a job that I had created as a, as a property manager of our properties in the most reactive job imaginable, right? Like you get a call and then you have to take care of it in that moment. I couldn't be like, yeah, why don't you just wait 24 hours? You know, it was like, so then I'm on the phone just with slide the some Philadelphia food under the door. It'll be, it'll yeah. work out just fine. <laughs> right. So I'm like on the phone with the Philadelphia fire department and they're like, yeah, we'll go out there. What's this person's number? You know, and for an hour I'm dealing with this. And I just remember thinking no amount of money is worth this this type of like anxiety I get every time that I get a call, right? Um, because even if it's not a lot of hours, it's it's not on your own schedule. So it and and it's it's never a fun thing. You're not getting a call someone like really loved your property. It's like you're getting a call because some you have to fix something. And so in that moment, I was like, if we're going to keep doing this, I have to find a better way. And, um, and I've had a lot of discussions about this with a lot of people. I've spoke at like the biggest real estate conference in the world. I was the only dissenting voice on this panel because I was like, hire a property manager and have someone else take care of it for you. And the other five people who have, some of them have hundreds of properties. They were like, no way. Why would you pay 20%? Why would you give up that, that amount of income? Like, Think of how much that would be if you have 100 properties, 20% of 100 properties. And I said, I'd rather have 80% and no stress than an extra 20% and have to deal with the issues. So, you know, my, what I feel confident in is like hire a good property manager, have them take care of 90 to 95% of the day to day stuff. And then you just have to make sure they're doing their job right. And so you're managing them, but that's a lot. Like I, I was away this whole summer. My sister-in-law is our property manager of all of our properties down here. So we have seven properties all rented in the summer in a beach town. So it is like full on. That's a lot of people coming and going. And we were away for two months and I didn't have to deal with a single issue. You know, she called me two times. One was like, hey, we have this plumbing issue. Are you okay spending X amount of money? It was like a thousand bucks. So I told her like, call me if it's an issue where we have to spend over 500 bucks or something. And I was just immediately like, yep. And she's like, okay, I'll get him to come out. And that was it. And so that's how I balance the real estate, like loving the real estate and loving doing the real estate with still allowing to have the lifestyle that I want. So I'll spend all my, all my time finding the right properties, you know, getting them set up. And this is where Heather comes in. She does like the design. So it's like Trav finds the properties, you know, does all the financing, kind of acquires the property. Then Heather comes in, does all the design. And then we jointly come in with with my sister-in-law, Julie, now who's our property manager for our units and like set up the systems in the beginning. But once it's set up, it should be mostly hands-off for me as the owner, not for her as the property manager, but like she lives here, she likes doing it. She loves guest interaction. So just, I won't get into it too much. We have a whole 11... Uh, episode podcast series on our short-term rental journey and everything we've done that you can listen to at Extra Pack of Peanuts. But that's my big takeaway for if you want to do rentals and you want to have the lifestyle freedom, um, it might help for you to property manage for a little bit to kind of know what to do if you feel like you want to learn that. 
But if you really want the freedom and you want to have the stuff we're talking about and be able to travel and have it be as, as worry-free as it can get, hire someone to do that other stuff. And to me, it's worth, like I am, every week, uh, month that I cut Julia check, I am, I'm like 2,000 bucks, 4,000 bucks, like carry, like I'm so happy to give her money because I think of all <laughs> the time she spent earning that, like she really has truly earned it. And I don't want to do that right now at this stage of my life. Yeah. Yeah. There's also something about bringing a professional in, right? When somebody knows what they're doing. I mean, in your case, I guess she was learning on the job, but now she has a lot of experience doing it. You're also, uh, if you're thinking about it from the guest perspective, you're giving them a better service because you're bringing somebody in that really knows what they're doing. That's what they do. A lot of these big property management companies, I mean, this is what they do. Of course, you have to find the good ones. But uh, yeah, I think the idea of just, you know, getting your time back is going to resonate with this audience big time. And we'll link to the podcast, of course, if anybody wants to check that out and dive even deeper on this stuff. Okay. Number one, I would say drum roll, please, but we weren't really counting down to the number one strategy. Yeah, like I feel you said, like I was counting least amount up. of money to I think I was the most, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fifth one, so so we go from, just, just to recap, we go from like renting out your own house or the own place that you are when you're not there. The easiest, quickest thing to, to do. Then we go into master leasing and, and renting a place from, from another le- owner and then you handling like the, the rentals, right? Then buying a multi-unit, living in one, renting the others. Then just buying specific properties as straight investments, but like you're the owner. The fifth way would be just as an investor. And this would be where when I'm saying this, it's more like you're not maybe buying the properties yourself. You're you're investing with a group and you are a very hands-off part of it. So there are people out there who are saying, I love real estate for all the reasons that you mentioned, Jay. Like there was appreciation in it. You pay down the mortgage, right? You can get cash flow. You can have tax benefits. So even if you're just an investor, and I'll use this as an example because this is what I've started doing now is one of the properties that we just bought is a group of five investors and me. So like I'm the one I'm the active person. I found the property, you know, I'm in charge of managing it. Obviously, I have my sister-in-law do the day-to-day, but like I'm in charge of everything. It's in our backyard. So I'm what we call the general partner, the one doing the work to acquire the property and keep it running and 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 have it make as much money as possible. And then the five guys who invested with me are limited partners. And they essentially what they have done is they have put money in and they are just getting a return on their money. So in this way, so there's a lot of opportunities out there to do that, right? There's, there's so many different ways. We don't have to get into all of them of how to invest in real estate. You can invest in like real estate trusts and, you know, where, where you're just like putting money in and they're guaranteeing a return and giving it back to you. You can invest in big real estate things. You can invest in small real estate stuff. Like, like, with, like a, ours is a small project, right? It's only five people and me. Um, but what I think is cool about this for your audience and the people who are listening who like to travel, and this is where I'm going with my investment group, is I know that there's a lot of opportunities out there for people just to invest in big projects. And it's simply the same as like buying a mutual fund or something. Like I don't really care what the project is necessarily. I don't care if it's 500 condos going up in Wilmington, Delaware, or 300 apartments in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't care. Just show me the money. It's just an investment vehicle. That's fine. But I like to 
again, be more creative and kind of have like more hands-on. And and for me personally, what I like about real estate is, is, is there's fun to it, like finding the properties that are unique, finding the areas I like. And so where our investment group is going is we're doing this thing and timeshares get a bad rap. So it's it's not timeshares. Okay. But there is some cool... I, there, there's a reason timeshares became really popular. And it's because people wanted benefits of real estate, but they also wanted to be able to use the real estate. And so what we're doing is, is this hybrid where you're like, okay, first and foremost, you're going to make money investing, but we're going to invest in properties that are fit a certain model. And that is boutique, uh, high-end hotels, motels, and, ho- and hospitality projects, right? So short-term rentals, boutique, short-term rental experiences. And as an investor, you're going to get paid back for your investment, but you're also going to get the ability to use the property at a discounted or free rate, you know, d- depending on what the property and the terms, each one's going to be different. So then you have this thing where you're like, Cool. Like, not only am I getting some money, but I get to be proud of the property that I'm a part of. And for me, that's the that's the differentiating part. Whether I was the one running the project or just an investor, I always like to be involved a little bit. I always like to like be proud of the thing. Like, I don't want to just invest in car washes because they make money. I want to invest in things that I like and interest me. And so, this is an opportunity for people who are like, yeah, I want to go to like these cool properties in California, North Carolina, Aspen. I don't know if we'll ever do one in Aspen. That just kind of seemed right, right? Like some cool mountain town where you're like, all right, I own it. I'm proud of it. You know, I could take my family there. I could take friends there. Like you have a bit more ownership, not just in a financial sense, but also pride of ownership of it and then the ability to use it as well. And so again, that doesn't mean people have to invest in that that way. But for me, that's where, because I love travel and because I love unique spaces and I love cool accommodations and 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 locally owned independent things, uh, that ties those those things together with for me. Um, and that's why we're offering like investors that kind of opportunity to use the property as well as obviously make money off it. So that's just like a super passive way for people. If they just, if they have the money and they like real estate and they like the benefits of it, then you just invest. And obviously it helps fund your travel lifestyle because you're making money off it. And if you do it in the way that I kind of talked about, it gives you a reason to go to a place too, right? Sometimes the hardest part of traveling, if we can go anywhere in the world is like, well, I, where do I go? I want to make sure I'm going somewhere cool and fun. And you know, I'm not wasting a trip going to somewhere that's just meh. So if you know that you're investing in properties that are really cool, then you can like, yeah, we're going to go out to this awesome boutique resort in Napa Valley with hot springs and wineries and things like that. And yeah, kind of going yeah, a little bit of pride, like a little bit of ego too. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm an owner of this. You know, it's, it's fun. It makes life for me more fun. Or Aspen where the beer flows like wine. That's uh, that, uh, at least that's the quote from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Have you heard that? Do you remember that's that? Right. That's right. Maybe that's why Aspen <laughs> where the, stuck out. I'm where like, the beer flows like wine. <laughs> it says that. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
so funny. At one point, can can Jay and I be riding a little motorbike? You know, one of us <laughs> on the back, hair freezing yeah. to Aspen together. We're going to find this investment property. Yeah, but um, you know, in that scene, some scene. one of the guys pees on the other one. So I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to recreate that scene. I believe anyway. Okay, so thanks, dude. That was a great breakdown. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you and stuff they want to connect. But before we do that, just to wrap this up, I think it would be cool to hear your top three to five resources for whatever finding properties. Like if you think about the things that you would be wanting people to check out to kind of dive in and, and explore. Yeah. Um, okay. For finding properties, you know, you can use almost all the apps are pretty similar. The ones that I prefer to use, um, I use Zillow because it lets me look at properties that have come up in the last 24 hours or seven days or, you know, to set filters so I can see stuff that's new. I use Zillow and I also use one called Redfin, which isn't all over the country yet. Uh, I think there's some markets you're not part of, but what I like about that is it allows me to see which ones have had a price reduction in whatever time frame I want. So that's a really cool one because it can be like, well, what has reduced its price in the last week? You know, so that I, you know, you see see what's happening there. So Zillow and Redfin are are kind of the things I use to search. If you're looking for commercial properties like hotels, motels, things like that, uh, which probably most of you aren't, but it's it's kind of fun, right? Um, LoopNet is the one that I use for that. Um, so those would be for searching. If you are looking to figure out how much a property might make as a short-term rental. Um, there's a good program out there called airdna.co. So like A-I-R-D-N-A.co. Um, I did an interview with their founder, Scott, uh, on our podcast. So that, you know, he dives more into like how it actually works and stuff, but it's, 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 it's a very good thing to kind of get a grasp on, um, what your property might be able to make. And then, you know, I would always cross check that with like going on Airbnb and seeing what properties are around your property and what they're charging, what their calendar looks like, things like that. Um, as far as like learning and education just about um, real estate in general, Bigger Pockets is a really big website and forum that can be overwhelming. And to be fair, I really like what they do there, but I don't use it much because there's just so much information. That being said, if you're looking for specific answers to stuff and you Google it, you'll probably get to the bigger pockets forum. So there's almost anything you want answered is there. So it's a really good resource to kind of get in, get questions answered. If you're looking for people who are doing stuff, it's it's great because they have a podcast where they interview people all, all you know, doing all different types of real estate. Like we kind of spoke about, you know, short term rentals more because that's what I do. But they're doing anything you could want in real estate. Um, those would kind of be like the the top things um, that that I would recommend if, if you're just trying to do that. And like I said, we did um, on the Extra Pack of po- Peanuts podcast the first time we did a season-based show. This was last January, I believe, January 2022, I think it was. We did 11 episodes on what we called our journey to short-term rental success. And it it dives a lot deeper 
on the things that you heard here and gets a bit more nitty gritty. How do you pick a property? How do you make it stand out? I interviewed Scott from AirDNA. So that's a, the reason we made that resource is because we'd get so many questions and we basically said, hey, if we were writing a book about it, but we we're going to record it because we like podcasts more, uh, this is it. And that answers all the questions about short-term rentals and how we got involved and what mistakes we made and, and what we learned and all that kind of stuff. Cool. We can certainly link up to that. Thanks, man. And anything else you want to share here? You know, I think it's... The the biggest thing that I have about real estate, uh, the the biggest gentle push I would give you if you listen to this and you're and you're like intrigued, is just figure out how to make it work for you. It, there's a lot that I still don't understand. I mean, there's times I'm talking to people, and I'm like, I've been doing this for a while, and I'm you know they're throwing acronyms around. I'm just like, uh, okay, you know, just ask. Like if you're intrigued by it and you're interested by it, start learning, start asking, realize that you're never going to know everything and not knowing stuff is okay. Just ask. What I have found, especially around real estate, because it's one of those things that people can get really passionate about is like, if you're asking questions, a lot of people want to help you out because I know I do because I've seen it change our life and be able to like for as, as in both the short term but also, especially a long-term goal, when I look at like 15, 20 years down the road, and I look at these properties we have, I'm like, all right, I could do a lot wrong in other facets, but if I do this right, I'm pretty well set up. And you know, it's become my long-term strategy for wealth generation for my family. Um, and I also have a lot of fun with it. Like I like it as much as anything else I do. So um, because you can do so many different things and because you can be curious and because you can think outside the box and because it can give you a life where, Jay, you and I can sit here and record on a random Wednesday, right? And like neither of us have to go into a job, right? And and it can really help people replace their income and, and help them lead this travel lifestyle. So yeah, just, just be curious about it. Um, you don't have to ever make any big decisions with it. Make sure you kind of you know, ask the right questions, get the information you need, and then know that nothing that you do in, in real estate is as final as it, as it might seem when you're doing it the first time or the second time, right? Just unpack it a bit and, um, yeah, learn from people who, who know and are willing to help you out. And it becomes a lot less intimidating when you see how many people are able to do all this stuff in real estate that aren't smarter than you or anything like that. It's, 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 it's a figure outable type path to freedom and path to, you know, wealth if, if you do it the right way. Love it, man. I'm fired up. Thank you, Trav. You always fire me up, dude. And still haven't been to the beach property, but save me a space. I'll get there one day. And man, it was so great to be able to jam on the mic with you again. I miss that. So, uh, look forward to continuing to uh, stay in touch. And of course, we'll have to have you back on again, which we, we you know, that's coming. I, I don't know what yet, but we'll, we'll figure out something else fun to, to jam on. And uh, dude, thanks, man. It's just always a blast. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Travis Sherry. So grateful to have him in my life and to call him a friend. And I appreciate his time. Hope you got a lot of value out of that one. I certainly did. As you heard me discuss during the chat, I am still a bit intimidated by real estate. But this episode, talking it out with Trav, really helped me. It always helps me to get in touch with him, especially on this topic 
because he he knows so much about it. And yeah, I'm still open and I I still want to do more with real estate. I'm just not quite sure what, but this was very helpful for me. And it brought me back to a point that I shared at the top. I mentioned I was going to give you my number one tip. I haven't owned a ton of properties like Travis, but all of the ones that I have owned, I have really loved. And here's the reason why. I had a list of what I would call non-negotiables laid out where they were just things that if they didn't have this, I ruled it out. And that was huge because it's such an emotional purchase. Even, at least for me, I mean, for most people, I'd say, especially if you're going to live there, maybe not for a seasoned investor who can kind of just look at the numbers and be detached from it. But for me, it's always been an emotional purchase. So I had certain non-negotiables that were lifestyle related. I can give you an example. When we moved into the place I live now, we had a whole list of things. We wanted to be near nature. We wanted to have a place where our kids could, could just open the door and they could run out and kind of have that freedom that we had as children growing up. And, you know, a few things like that. And we found a place that matched our most important criteria. So it's hard to find a place when you're on a budget that has everything. If you have an unlimited budget, you can probably find a place that has everything. But out of all the things you want, if you can circle or check off the non-negotiables, the ones that you absolutely have to have, it just makes hunting for a property so much easier and it makes the decision to purchase it so much easier because you know you're getting a set of things that you really wanted. And that's always served me well from the time I lived in Colorado where I wanted to be able to walk into town and have access to bike trails to where I live now here in Norway having um, the setup we have now. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you as we close out with a quote from Will Rogers who is always known for his turn of phrase, I suppose. I found this one as I was looking up quotes on real estate, and I thought this was pretty clever. Uh, He said, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. There you go. (laughs) I'll leave you with that. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again soon. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 